My name is Scott Harris, and welcome to the MC Podcast. Today we're going to be looking at uh, a blog that I had found that talks about three dairy production numbers that we need to be looking at. It can be a little bit daunting and a little bit overwhelming as dairymen uh, to try to figure out what in the world we're supposed to look at with all this data that's at our fingertips. And we're going to bring in a guest here in a few minutes, so let's see what we can unpack and learn together. Welcome to the MC Podcast. My name is Scott Harris. My whole life in dairy farming. Grew up in it. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Appreciate that very much. It's been exciting to watch you guys work. Uh, <laughs> all right, so the, we are here with a, a, sp- a very special guest, uh, Tim Kinchis. And Tim is going to, uh, I came across his blog. Uh, I don't want to give too much away uh, because we're going to unpack it. But uh, I think it's going to be very valuable for any dairyman out there listening. And and if you're in the industry period, uh, understanding what, you know, how tough this can be on dairymen. And they are, you know, we're in a great era, Tim, of being able to have a lot of data at our fingertips. But the problem is we have a lot of data at our fingertips. And so it can be a little bit overwhelming. And so you're going to help us hopefully uh, right now going to unbreak, going to break that down a little bit and talk through it. But first of all, Tim, uh, first, thanks for coming on the podcast. And number two, tell us who you are, where you're from and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Tim Kitches. Uh, I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, I'm with a uh, feed uh, nutrition company called uh, Formal Feed. I've been with them about six years and with a large company before that. I started off my career doing uh, nutrition work for about 12, 13 years and kind of slowly uh, transitioned over to data analytics. So that's that's my full-time job. Uh, I help a lot of different aspects of our, of our company. We kind of view our customers uh, in, in three, we want to help our customers in three different sections. Uh, nutrition, obviously, uh, employee management, the training, and analytics. And so that's kind of the part that I that I help our customers out on our saline team, on our beef team, and on our dairy team. But my main role is on the dairy team. Okay, so that was going to be one of my follow up questions: Is are you do you primarily work with dairy? Do you work with beef? What uh, where's your yeah. main focus? So. Yeah, so most of my my work week is dairy. Uh, on the beef side, I help with our closeouts. And helping our uh, customers that uh, may not have feed software systems, you know, help them do manage their their feed, um, their feed usage and their closeouts for their pens on the swine team. Help with some break evens, uh, spreadsheets, and just kind of help customers out. Uh, and on the dairy side, um, help uh, with feed cost tracking uh, and analysis. And then the main thing is you know per production analysis. So. Where are we doing good? Where are we doing bad? Where can uh, we be more efficient? Um, and really, I view my role on the dairy side and, and with our customers is, is how do I help our dairy customers be proactive and not reactive? So how do we see problems before they're occurring and trends uh, that are occurring that, that we can change and, and hopefully in the end be more profitable or be more efficient? Yeah, that's a huge point that, you know, my, uh, you know, any employee that's worked for me, 
um, get sick of me hearing or saying proactivity, proactivity, proactivity is, is key uh, because I've had managers and owners that did that to me. And at times it drove me crazy. Uh, but they're right. And, you know, it's the, and so many times, because, you know, I wouldn't limit it to just dairy. I'd say in agriculture period, we tend to be a very reactive business. Yeah, um, yeah, and so, because, because we react to, we, there's certain things, there's just so many parts of our business many times we have no control over. So you have to be reactive. You don't have any control over the weather. You don't have any control over some of these aspects, right? So, um, it's this idea of, but the things we can control, let's really control them to the best of our ability. And so your, uh, your article really talks through that. So let's kind of, kind of dive into this. So I believe, correct me if I'm wrong Tim. I think, I believe I found this on, um, I think it was on progressive dairy website yes. in one of their blogs. Um, but I think it's also a link to it on your, um, um, far, uh, your farmer feed, feed website, yep. farmer That's feed. Right. Yeah. Uh, website as well. So the article title is, you know, three dairy productions you need to look or three dairy production numbers that you need to look at. And so, so let's start with one of the, the first one you mentioned is pounds of solid. What specifically about pounds of solid do we need to be looking at, Tim? Yeah. So, so the industry has been talking about pounds of solids, uh, you know, for probably the last 10, 15 years. And it, the goal always keeps changing as, as herds get better and better. You know, five, six years ago, the goal was to try to get to six pounds of solids. And, and now the goal is to get to seven pounds of solids. So, so what, uh, it's very simple math. Um, take your average milk production, uh, times the percent fat, uh, plus the percent protein. And you get this number and, and somewhere between five and a half and seven, seven and a half. And, and why it's important is, is that's really how you get paid. Um, other parts of the United States may get paid a little bit different, but here, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, it's, it's very simple math on the paychecks. Uh, pounds of fat times the price, pounds of protein times the price, and, and that's the paycheck. Now, in other parts of the, the the country like South Dakota, they get paid off of a cheese yield, which is a long math equation that basically takes the same couple numbers, but just comes up with a different answer. Um, you know, it's really surprising. A lot of producers don't understand their milk checks. Uh, big producers, small producers, it, it doesn't really matter. It's really been a, uh, I've really been tracking the pay price and, and how pounds of solids affects their their milk check for the last three, four years. And there, there's a lot of producers out there that have a hard time really figuring out how they get paid. And, and really it's a pretty simple, simple math. Yeah. What an interesting thing, right? That, um, your, your entire livelihood is based on, you know, what you're going to get paid, but yet so many farmers don't really understand how it actually works when it comes down to it. And, and that's not a bash on them in any means. It, it, it's a, it's daunting. It's a little overwhelming at times, especially gosh, you know, Tim, and you know this better than I do, you get into the different classes and, you know, the formulation for that determining that class three milk prices, you know, like you'd have to have a beautiful mind, like that movie, beautiful mind, right. To be able to figure out how that all works. And so, um, and you know, so then you're, you, what, what I love about your blog is you're saying, Hey, let's simplify this. 
Um, you know, we're going to look at pounds of solids. And the second thing you say we're going to look at is pounds per stall. Now, that was an interesting one to me. Uh, so so oftentimes it's about efficiency, is it, I think, what you're really talking about there. Because I think you literally say so oftentimes it's as much about efficiency as making more money. Is that basically what we're referring to here? Yeah, I mean, it, it, not always, but in most cases, uh, yes. I mean, we have a lot of, you know, the, the smaller to mid-sized customers that uh, may not have the, the land or the ability to, you know, build another barn and get bigger and, and grow. Uh, some counties, you know, it may even come down to that. Some counties won't allow any expansion. So so how uh, a producer's got to figure out how do I grow my business, Um without sometimes spending a lot of money or building a barn or expanding the parlor. And that, that's really where this, this number comes into play to really understand, you know, I have this limited space. How do I make it the most efficient that I can? Um, and that's really what we focused on with some of our customers is, is, is really just try to be efficient with the space we have before we start spending a lot of money. On, on building stuff let's make sure that what we have is as efficient as possible and then if you want to go bigger after that then then we can go down that road but let's let's make what you have first work the best that it can okay, yeah that makes complete sense can you can you think of or maybe give us an example of maybe you know not names but a farm that you've worked with that maybe they ran into this exact situation and had to, you know, by, by taking the time and making sure they were examining this pounds per stall, they were able to make some decisions one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I go to a lot of team meetings for dairies, you know, quarterly team meetings. And, and there was one that, um, their financial guy was, you know, your, your labor, uh, cost compared to other dairies is very high. Um, so the reason was, was that, you know, he had a lot of help. Um, because of his dairy and how much land he had, but he didn't have a lot of cows, but he had the ability to milk more cows. So by milking more cows, because the parlor was able to, because the barn was able to, um, we could milk more cows, get more milk, and overall that decreased the cost per hundredweight of his employees. So it just made everything more efficient. So he not only saved money on his existing cows that he had, but plus the additional revenue of the new cows that he brought. So, so that wasn't, that, that's a case not necessarily looking at, well, I'm going to milk more cows and make more money. This was making the rest of his cost more efficient, his fixed cost more efficient. Yeah. Cause you can't, we, yeah, we just can't automatically assume just because we add more cows will automatically be more efficient. That's not a guarantee because everything comes at a cost. You know, I think you run into, I mean, how many, take it outside of dairy. Maybe somebody can get a better understanding of what we're talking about. If we, if we say it like this, how many businesses have you seen that ran into a problem because they grew too fast? You know, they grew too fast. They weren't there. So maybe they hired too many or they maybe didn't hire enough quickly enough. And, and now they're not able to meet demand and, you know, and run into a major efficiency issue. 
And so this is what we're talking about, but on a, you know, a little different animal, not to use the, as a pun, but you know, when you're talking about dairy cows, it's not just about increasing the number of cows. It's making the most efficient, the use of, I can't, that I can of the space that I have. And then what am I getting out of each one of these stalls? And then at that point, if I am maximizing efficiency, maybe it is time to make a decision and grow, yeah. you know, and get bigger. Yeah, you know, at the same point, um, you know, uh, if you look at some farms that have a lot of first lactation animals, uh, so they produce 10 to 15 pounds less than a mature animal, a third, fourth, fifth lactation animal. So you run across areas that are 40, 45% first lactation animal. So if, if your barn is full and you're 40% first lactation animals, you have a lot of stalls being used by animals that are automatically going to milk 10, 15 pounds less. So adjusting that and planning and forecasting how many animals are coming in, how many animals are going out, we, we can manage that percentage. So make sure that every soul in the barn is maximized with how much milk it's going to give um, and not just, well, we milk X many cows and we're just going to get whatever milk we get. Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. And it's a, you know, it's a hard decision uh, for a dairyman. You know, I think, I don't know what the newest stat is. Tim, you might know, you know, average age of a dairyman, the principal dairyman, I should say, uh, is, is pretty high, yeah, uh, high of a number. And so you're sitting there, you know, how many 70 year old dairymen are thinking, I don't want to build a $2 million new facility. Um, so the only other way they, they can really make sure that they're generating as much income as possible is to be as efficient as possible make sure they're using those stalls. And so that's a great point. So I kind of transition this to, you know, back to kind of more of the milk side. Uh, the third thing that you talk about as far as the third number that we need to be looking at is component efficiency. So what are you referring to when you say component efficiency? Yeah, so this is really bringing in intake uh, into the production math. So you know, if, if we make six pounds of solids, um, how much intake does that cow need to have to make that six pounds of solids versus another cow, uh, how much intake does she have to make that six pounds of solids? So I, I think about it a lot of, you know, as nutritionists, it's always a battle of feed costs. So we're always trying to lower feed costs, but maximize milk production. And it's really hard to cut 10, 15 cents of, of feed cost out of a, of a, out of a ration. Um, but a cow eats one pound more, there's 13, 14 cents uh, of cost. So it, intake is so important um, when looking at overall cost because you can cut costs on your ration all day long, uh, but if they just eat a couple pounds more, then you've lost all your work. So I'm going to stretch here a little bit. And Tim, if I'm, if I'm wrong, please cut my head off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you, so in that scenario, we need to make sure we're looking at on, on any of the products, whether you're talking corn silage, grasses, whatever it may be, we need to make sure we are keeping an eye on those undigestible portions of that diet, because that is going to lead to filling up without necessarily gaining uh, the the actual quality part of the feed. Am I correct in that in thinking yep. that, Tim? So so that's that's one half of the extreme. So if you feed a lot of things that are undigestible, 
<clears throat> you're going to have lower, you could have lower intake, you could have lower production. On the other hand, if you feed a lot of concentrate, not a lot of forage, a lot of digestible stuff, maybe the rate of passage is really high. So then your intake goes up, but you don't necessarily get the reward of of the milk production or the solid. So yeah, it's just it's passing just through the, the animal. Right. It's right. just kind of the balancing act of of what ingredients we're feeding and and what does that equate to intake. Yeah, because we Right. It's it's finding again, it goes back to finding that perfect balance of KP rate and K D rate. Right to know we're we're maximizing our digestibility, you know, slowing down our passage some, not too much, but you know, to a, a sweet spot, and and that's why working with individuals like yourself is so helpful uh, for dairies, and you know, making sure they are maximizing that to be as efficient as they can on the component side and and everything that they're doing from a feeding standpoint um, to just the overall dairy efficiency standpoint. So. Um, anything in particular else with that component side that they need to be aware of or think through at all, Tim? Yeah, it, it's a real touchy number. Um, so a little bit, uh, you know, it, it typically ranges, you know, from the high 9% to the low 11%. So it's not a big spread in, in that number. Um, so it, it's really important to, to understand that on a monthly basis. And then the small movement in that is, is very powerful. So um, it, a lot of these numbers are just, you know, not a, just a one-time look at it. And it is what it is. I mean, it, it, all these numbers are constantly changing. And, and trends with seasonality and, and all that takes into effect. So it, it, it's something you got to track and you got to watch and not just look at it once. Yeah, that's great. And so, and do you see much... Is there a uh, seasonal or um, external factors would affect that number too, right? As far as the dry matter intake, for sure, cow stress, those yeah. things are going to affect that too, yep, right? Yep. Dead, dead of summer, dead of winter. You know, cows eat more in the wintertime, they eat less in the summertime. Uh, cows produce more in the, in the springtime as spring flush comes, but their components start to fall. So, I mean, all these seasonality, uh, any, any heat stress, any, um, you know, poor feed coming in. I mean, all these things take, take an account. That's why it's, it, it's a moving number that you can't just look at once. Right. But one thing that we know for sure, Tim, is that if it's going well, it's, it's not, you don't get credit for that, Tim, but That's if right. it's going poorly, it's your fault. Uh, all the blame and none of the credit. That's, uh, <laughs> that's right. That's the model of a nutritionist. <laughs> that's exactly right. Oh, that's funny. So, well, I think that kind of sums it up for me. I mean, I think the question, the last question that I have for you is, so let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, holy cow, this is speaking to me. This is exactly what I need. Um, they want to follow up, work with you on some of this maybe. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can uh, reach me at, uh, at uh, Tim Kitches, K-I-N-C-H-E-S, at formerfeed.com. Uh, you can contact uh, some of us in the former feed, and they'll, they'll uh, get a hold of you. Yeah, that uh, form of feed is coming over. We'd love to chat with you. Perfect. Sounds great. Um, well, I think that's going to do us from here. So remember... 
You can get this podcast on any of the podcast platforms that you utilize. Uh, you can also visit us on Facebook. We got a Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel that has a lot of great content. Check out some of the recent and older contests. A lot, ton of good information on there. Uh, Instagram, or you can visit seedcorn.com and also get the podcast there as well, along with some other resources and information. So with all that being said, Tim, thanks again for coming on. And I appreciate everybody listening, and I hope everyone has a great day.